I think a lot of people may say, you know, I'm not going to join the Academy because that's for TV. That's for like ABC and all of the, you know, major networks. And to Bob's point, we celebrate the best content. So don't feel like, oh, your show isn't on a major network or even on a cable channel right now that you aren't part of this community. If you are creating reality content, we invite you. If you are getting credits and working actively, you should be in the room. You should be in these conversations because what we're really focused on is how do we celebrate the work that all of us are doing? Welcome friends to Exec Producer. I'm your host, Noah Pollack. Every episode of Exec Producer offers a deep dive into the content, trends, and movements defining our industry from the point of view of the people at the center of the action, where the idea came from, the hurdles they faced in building it, and ultimately, how it became an actualized part of popular culture. I've produced and overseen hundreds of hours of content. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I hope to share some of that wisdom with you. So settle in, turn it up, and enjoy, and please also remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So with that, thank you again and enjoy the show. Okay, we are rolling. Uh, Good morning and good evening, as one of our guests is actually coming to us live from Europe right now in Hamburg, Germany, quasi-home of the Beatles. The other one from from the San Fernando Valley, the quasi-home of television. So (laughs) there you go. Uh, Mr. Bob Bowden, Ms. Jill Dickerson, the governors of the reality peer group for the TV Academy. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful, but you know what we're here to talk about today is their role as governors, even though they can't speak directly for the Academy, just to give a little bit better sense of what the TV Academy is, does, how it functions in our current climate, and hopefully get some more of you to, to join this really, really wonderful organization. So Bob, Jill, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you so much. You know, happy to yeah. be here. Really appreciate you both being here. Many of you know Bob, but for those of you who don't, Mr. Game Show, uh, TV Bob, and his Zoom background definitely delivers on on that uh, that job classification. We've got highlights from, you know, I see a Wheel of Fortune uh, license plate. I see no whammies, twenty five thousand dollar pyramid. I mean, this is just uh, this is Wink Martindale's dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got Wink over here, but he's not on camera. So, got it, got it. Well, you know, before, well, we'll we'll get to your game show, you know, love. I'm sure at some point in this, but let's start with, of course, the reason we're here to talk about the TV Academy and the uh, and the peer group in general. So, you know, for listeners of the show, we know we always start with light bulb. <laughs> that maybe doesn't perfectly apply to to this. So, I think what would be great would be maybe Bob, since you uh, have been involved with the Academy longer, if you could just give a little bit of a primer on specifically the TV Academy, you know, I, most people of course know it for the Emmy Awards and handing out statues, but really the other functions of the Academy and the role it really plays in the television that we all watch, consume, make, and love. Sure. Uh, well, the TV Academy is, is, is really the only professional membership organization uh, for all different uh, disciplines uh, in and around the, the Television Arts and Sciences, which is their former name. Uh, it used to be called the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and now it's simply the Television Academy, but it really encompasses the entire depth and breadth of the industry. Um, everybody from uh, executives to performers to craftspeople, people in front of the camera, people behind the camera, uh, people who invented the cameras. Uh, it's it's a, a, a really great um, 
coming together of, of different interests, different abilities, different knowledge. Uh, and uh, there's over 20,000 members uh, who, who you know, share their, their uh, expertise, their passions uh, in uh, a variety of different uh, peer groups. Really the United Nations of television, it sounds like. Very much so. Got it. Well, if it's the United Nations of television, then I would say these peer groups, I guess, are the student council, you know, <laughs> of it, if we're going to maybe slightly shift the metaphor. And so it's made up of, I believe, 30 different peer groups, and of which the reality peer group, which the two of you represent, is one. Uh, you and Jill are the presidents of the student council for, for the reality <laughs> group. Uh, we'd love to know a little bit more about how those various peer groups function. I believe there's 30. Uh, and, you know, just a little brief history on that as well, please. We had to, to create all these posters to put up in the lockers uh, near the gym to make sure that people <laughs> voted for us. For student council. I used up a lot of markers, let me tell you. Um, uh, there are 30 peer groups uh, in the academy. Um, all but seven of them are um, are focused on on different jobs, uh, essentially, or or work classifications. Uh, everything from uh, art decorators, set decorators, uh, casting directors, uh, choreographers, performers, um, technical arts, makeup and hair, motion title design, uh, music. Uh, there's producers. There's professional reps, uh, production executives and and uh, writers and 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 so forth but there are seven groups that are focused on a genre uh there's animation children's programming commercials daytime programming documentary interactive media and us we're we're reality programming and because we are a an amalgamation of all different disciplines within reality um it poses a challenge to us because if if your group is all about makeup artists, then that is a soul craft. Uh, it's a craft that certainly has many tentacles to it, and and the and the professionals in that craft have a lot to discuss and a lot to to ponder uh, in terms of where that group is moving. But we have to deal with people who do every conceivable job uh, within reality, and as as you know, and and your your podcast is dedicated to this, uh, reality has exploded over the past two decades um, in, in the uh, pandemic world that we're still living in. Uh, reality has, has taken hold as about a third to a half of the primetime schedules on the broadcast networks um, and uh, represents quite a bit in cable and now in streaming. So we, we have a lot of people who do a lot of different jobs who all fit under the umbrella of reality television. That uh, sounds like a, it's, it's, it's double-edged, right? Like on one hand, that's great yeah. because we are a giant community, but on the other hand, what a challenge. Jill, you're you know, maybe perfectly situated to speak about that because you work with Snap, right? You talk about next generation television, right? Like what you do, uh, is quite different from, I would say, the traditional television, certainly stuff you would see on broadcast TV that, you know, Bob mentioned makes up so much of the schedule now. I mean, how do you even approach a challenge like that? And how do you create a sense of community for such a vast group of diverse group of, of creators? Well, you know, I can say it's interesting because, you know, I started as a producer 
And I was working on the production side for probably 10 years before I went to a network for the first time. And now I'm at Snap, which is a digital platform. And I've worked on every kind of show. You know, I've worked on more informational documentaries. I've worked on docu-series with real people. I've worked on completely unscripted shows, on soft-scripted shows. Um, you know, now I'm working in short form as opposed to long form. And I think that one of the advantages of all of that experience has been seeing how many different kinds of producers there are, how many different kinds of content we create, and also understanding that, that we're constantly looking to evolve the medium and the message of the medium with reality. Um, and so as a co-governor, one of the things I'm constantly thinking about is who are all of the different people that we're, we're representing? And so whether we're planning activities for them, and you know, we did a lot this year with, we had a diversity inclusion panel, diversity and inclusion panel in December, that was, you know, really important to us. We did one on post-COVID production last year. We did one on reality casting because we all know that casting is 50% of the challenge. If you don't have a great cast, you don't have a great show. We've done them on how to get jobs in, in reality. I think you were the moderator for that one for us. Um, we've done them on international production. We've done them on comedy in reality. We're, we're constantly trying to think about who are the different people working in this genre. And part of that requires being out there and talking to people and and being open to people reaching out to us, whether it's emailing us or you know DMing us or you know coming to our Facebook page, we're always trying to figure out what information people need, um, what ideas do they want to pursue, what challenges are they having in the industry, you know, even if it has something to do with you know awards, do they feel like they're not being represented, do they feel like they're not seen or heard, you know, um, that applies to the talent side as well. I guess our goal is to make ourselves open and to constantly be aware that this is an this is still an emerging field, you know. So we don't have the answers, but we want to create opportunities for people to kind of come together and talk about the questions. Right. So, so uh, if I'm correct, it seems like great. The Emmys, of course, they're a great prize to uh, to certainly to receive. But membership in the Academy really it sounds like is um, it's around the sense of community and being able to share information with your peers in a way to just advance the work that we really all do and that the Emmys might be the most public sort of face of it all, but that's just really a cherry on top. Would you agree or disagree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Bob will have a lot to say about this too, but I would say another big part of membership is being among the community of people who want to celebrate the work that we do, who want to celebrate the genre, who want to celebrate how much effort goes into making these shows, how popular they are, how many opportunities they provide for talent and for producers behind the scenes to work in this creative industry. And then we want to make sure that the rest of the industry and our peers are finding that out too and having a chance to look at them, having a chance to hear what happens behind the scenes. They can attend the panels as well. You know, our goal is to really um, represent and create greater awareness about the entire genre, which is, this is the, I don't know if it's the youngest, is it Bob? Is this the youngest peer group? We are the youngest genre peer group. Um, there's uh, There's been a couple that have come around since us, but uh, definitely we're the youngest genre to be established. I mean, you know, animation goes back to the beginning of television, but reality um, has has the modern reality really only goes back about uh, twenty years or so? I know that reality uh, for some people is still a, a you know a dirty four letter word, but you know <laughs> I'm going to brag for the genre for a moment. I think in this COVID world, we really were the lead blockers as well. You talk about returning to production. Who were the first ones to return to production? Right, the reality shows, peer group or no peer group. There's just a lot to be learned from from the hard work that's being done, you know, by this genre. 
part of the secret menu of the television academy, the, the, the thing that many, many people inside the TV academy don't really think about, and certainly people who aren't familiar with membership think about, is that you can actually be a member of two different peer groups. So let's say you're a reality editor and you you have a commonality certainly with other editors and you feel that they are your professional peer group, but you also are in the reality space and you want to learn more about that and mingle with people who do other jobs in reality, you can actually be a member of both peer groups. And it, it's called a hyphenate membership. And uh, we have encouraged, <clears throat> we have encouraged in the last uh, couple of years, uh, members who are in the uh, the job focused peer groups to think about becoming a hyphenate with us, so that we can give them you know a broader perspective on on our genre, um, and not be limited to just other people who do what they do. Uh, and that that's a that's a benefit that you really can't get in any other professional organization because generally you're classified with the people who do what you do. And in order to become a hyphenate, you just have to apply. It doesn't cost any extra money, I would imagine, right? It's just correct, correct. It's very simple. It's just a it's just an email. Well, you talked about that. There's twenty thousand members of the academy. Is there a? I mean, is there a goal or you know a ceiling? I mean, just. Imagine there's a lot more than 20,000 people eligible, right? I mean, they'd love to have everyone, right? I mean, do you know, is there like a target number that, uh, you know, that we're chasing or just the more the merrier as long as qualified? <laughs> I, I, I don't believe there's a target. Uh, I, I believe it's, it's uh, open to anybody who wants to be in it. And, and we would love to welcome more people. Um, there's a, a lot of outreach that, that has been going on and that will continue to go on. And, you know, to be honest, COVID has hurt um, the membership, just like every other uh, professional organization. Um, you know, it, people have, have had uh, challenges in their, in their careers in the past year. Uh, and some members have left us because uh, either they're not working right now or, or they don't see uh, the, the benefit of, of continuing their membership. And you know, part of what we, the message we wanted to give today is that if you are able to consider membership, um, regardless of, of, you know, what, what your situation is, um, we'd love to have you. And, and, uh, you know, if, if you're not able to do it right now, we understand. Um, and when, when things get better, uh, we hope to, to gain back some of the people who had to leave us and, uh, and uh, we, we really want to be there for everybody. I think I do think the more the merrier. Well, and, you know, brighter days are ahead. They always are. And yes. when some sense of normalcy returns, uh, you know, hopefully even more people will be in a position to join this really wonderful peer group, you know, peer member professional organization. But if there is one sort of thing that, uh, you know, that's very clear from this pandemic is that we're now spread out everywhere. Jill, you're dialing in from Germany, right? As I mentioned yeah. up top, the TV Academy is in North Hollywood. And a lot of, like everything else, we're in a Zoom world, we're in a virtual world. I mean, is there a look towards the future of so many professionals not living in Los Angeles, not living maybe in other big media hubs like New York, and the value of a membership if you say live in Hamburg, Germany? Yeah, I mean, I'll say it's interesting because 
I don't even know. You know, the last year was my first year as a co-governor, first of all. So if I defer, defer to Bob a lot, it's because he knows so much more and I'm learning every day. But I will say that in the time that I've spent working with him on the PGEC, we typically are doing maybe between three and five events a year, but th there are budgets for those. There are limitations. And then if you're not in LA, you, you, couldn't, make him to, to, you couldn't make it to those events. Um, or there were a limit on the number of people who could fit into the theater in past years. But in 2020, we were able to do so many more events. And it didn't matter where you were in the world, as long as you could wake up, like myself, maybe it was two in the morning, but usually they're more like five or 7 p.m. But as, as long as you had your computer and you could connect and get onto Zoom, you could attend. So we had events that had 80 people. We had events that had 600 people. And that's really exciting for us because at the end of the day, we're making these events for people in the peer group, which means people who are actively working in this, this profession, you know? And so sometimes they're serious ones. Like I said, when we were talking about loans, as soon as people were kind of locked down and not able to go into production, but, sometimes, but more often than not, they're about networking. It's about talking to other people who are going through the same thing you're going through, or talking to other people who are interested in making content that you're interested in, or getting other people who are in the same field excited about something you've done because maybe they don't know their shows on Snap. Maybe they haven't seen what you've done on YouTube. Maybe they don't know what your cable channel is producing this year. Maybe they're excited about going behind the scenes on the Netflix shows. You know, So I think we get excited because we have the ability to have a conversation with everybody in the reality industry. And I've been working in it for probably a little over 20 years. It's that young. And at places like the Academy, we see how small this community is, it's growing, and we have the chance to be together, you know? And so, you know, to Bob's point, there's so many other peer groups. We also like to have events where we're literally just, you know, chatting with people and getting to know people who are in editing or who are in casting or who are in other, you know, peer groups that we can relate to just as an opportunity to find out what they're going through. So for example, when we had, I think it was a pre-Emmy party and it was a conversation among some editors who'd been nominated last December, I was meeting people that I didn't know before, but who had similar backgrounds, who had worked on similar shows. We were able to talk about things like the difference between, you know, a show where everything is found in the cutting room versus a show where it's all pre-produced from the beginning. And I, I feel like it's kind of when you're in school, there's so much to learn. Every single production company, every single production is different. And when you can work with people or meet people actually in this environment, who have been through those different shows and those different jobs, and you can kind of come together, there's an opportunity to share knowledge about different ways to do things. And in a COVID year in particular, I think that's been really helpful because a lot of us are innovating. We're figuring out how to do self-shot content. We're figuring out how to have editors work at home. We're figuring out how to you know, produce and direct talent remotely. We're all figuring out how to do things differently. And it's a lot harder if we're alone. It's a lot easier if we can kind of have those conversations together. And that's our goal is to give people those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because if you think about just TV in general, right? I mean, or really any form of entertainment, right? Like movies back in the back in the day, right? Not anymore, but you know, you all went to a theater. It was a big shared experience, right? Music, we all, you know, kind of would discover songs kind of at the same time and and you would all know them, right? And TV, you would watch it the same time, the same night, and then the next day, you know, get around and talk about it, the, you know, proverbial water cooler. All those things don't exist anymore, right? And everything's fractured. Everyone's their own programmer. Everyone's discovering things sort of at their own leisure. And that creates a real challenge as you, when you talk about community. But, you know, I think it's, it's groups like this and, and, you know, getting together um, and sharing information that, that are sort of uh, working sort of against a lot of these forces in society that I think are maybe pulling us apart, pandemic or no pandemic. 
And I'll also just add to that. I think that we all know that in entertainment, as in with so many fields, you know, the network is important as far as who do you know? How do you find out about job opportunities? How do you get in the door to be considered for those roles? We are actively trying to diversify the talent behind the scenes, the talent on camera. We're actively trying to diversify the kinds of stories we tell from all different groups that might have to do with gender or sexuality or race or class or religion or ability or any of these different ways that we are so unique and diverse as people. And I think that it's really important to bring in more diverse members to the academy so that we can make sure we know each other and see each other when opportunities arrive, you know, or arise. Um, so I think part of this is also just a chance to offer people one unique place for working reality producers um, to come together and be known, you know, so that we can find jobs for each other and we can employ each other and we can keep keep this industry going and strong. And, and more than just producers, uh, you know, we, we, we have a, a peer group executive committee, which is sort of our student council, if you will. And, uh, and that group is, is very diverse in and of itself. And we have network executives. We have above the line people. We have below the line people. We have people who, who support other people, who've worked with other people. And the conversation in, in the room and now on Zoom is, is always, uh, uh, it always elicits um, learning and, and sharing of ideas and goals. And it's, a, it's such a wonderful, healthy group of people who are, who are giving back um, to others. And uh, that's a lot of what the Academy is about, I think. I mean, I've been involved in it for, for 25 years now. Uh, I, I started as a governor in a different peer group in, in the late 90s. Um, and I've been on and off the, uh, the, the, the board of governors since then. This is my 13th year as a governor. And uh, I, I've been in four different peer groups and I've learned from each of them. And, and I, you know, I, I can't quantify the, how much better I've been as a professional in our industry because of what I've learned from the TV Academy and my my peers, not just in reality, but in the boardroom and 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 other disciplines. How did you initially get involved 25 years ago? <clears throat> well, I was I started in uh, in daytime programming. Uh, my my specialty has been competition programming, game shows over the years. And at the time that I started in the industry, there was no primetime reality or game show. Um, genre. So uh, it was all in daytime. And I started as an executive uh, at CBS in daytime programming and got to know the people at the academy. And they said, you know, you should run for governor um, because the, the the daytime awards were a separate show. Uh, they still are. Um, and, you know, we need we need people in management in in L.A. who are uh, involved in that field. So I ran for governor. I got elected in 1996. Um, I served um, eight years. I served, uh, you, you could only serve four years in a row, then you have to take a year off. And then I ran again and did eight, uh, four more years. Um, and then uh, as my career expanded a little bit, uh, I, I got involved in what became uh, reality television and moved uh, somewhat out of daytime into other uh, other uh, day parts. Um, and so I switched uh, ultimately 
uh, not ultimately, I switched next uh, to the um, uh, producer's peer group because that was the role I was playing on various shows. And then uh, I decided to move to the what was then called the nonfiction peer group, which is now documentary. And that group gave birth to the spinoff, which was reality. And so I moved to that. So, so as my career has evolved, so has my participation in the academy. And I'm grateful that I got to understand, you know, the the different the different types of people who work in all of those different areas. And it's given me a perspective that uh, is it's it's worth so much to um, to what I bring to to my career now. Is there a commonality that you see between all those? I mean, it is a bit of a family tree in one branch linking to the next, but, you know, is there, you know, I mean, the story of your career really seems like the story of kind of the genre's evolution in general. Yeah. I mean, if if you would have told me when I first started out that there would ever be a day that there were uh, triple the number of of game shows in primetime as in daytime, I I would have laughed. Uh, And that's where we are right now. Uh, I mean, there, there's so much competition programming, uh, and and uh, one thing the Academy did to to recognize that is that the the category that was formerly called reality competition programming, it's one of the um, one of the uh, awards that's given on the Emmy broadcast, uh, changed a few years ago to just competition programming because there's so many game shows now. Uh, many of them are revivals, and many of them are shows I worked on in their in their earlier um, versions. Um, that uh, you you don't you don't look at that genre now as oh it's just you know the Price is Right and let's make a deal in daytime. They're the only two on network broadcasting in daytime anymore. And uh, ABC alone has eleven game shows in prime time. Uh, so it's a it's a different world and i'm i'm proud to say that i've been able to evolve with it uh, and adapt my skills and and a, a lot of those skills really have come from the you know the camaraderie i established with with members of the academy how about you jill how did you come to the academy and get involved in leadership um i came to the academy because my first employer was john murray he hired me pretty much out of grad school in a temp job to go work on the real world. And after several years of working for them and, and staying in touch with him and, you know, having the real world help launch my career, um, he had helped to create um, this peer group to lobby for it and invited me to join the executive committee because I'd probably been, in, you know, in the field after that for about 15 years at the time. I think I was already working as an executive of the Oprah Winfrey Network at the time. But so I, you know, honestly, candidly, I had joined, I was so excited to join the Academy when I first started getting TV credits, because I think we all are, you know, when you have your first show and you see it on TV or you see it on whatever platform you're on, you're like, oh, it's what you always dreamed of. Um, And I joined immediately, but not unlike a good, you know, entertainment union bank, you let it lap sometimes because you're distracted or you're on the road too much or you're out of town. And when he called, I had to, you know, restart my membership and I was still working and still had tons of credits, but I just hadn't been paying attention. I hadn't been taking advantage of all those resources, you know, and I was excited to be able to come back and I was excited to be able to be at the table to start talking about, well, what kind of events do I want to see, you know? So it was really somebody who knew me pulling me in, which is what, you know, we actively are trying to do as well. 
and, and reminding me that there were a bunch of other people who were maybe stressed out about the same reasons or excited about the same things. And I needed to maybe show up and get involved with them. Well, you both touched on it, right? I mean, it's about helping others. It's about, you know, in, in your own way, giving back, you know, to, to the younger versions of yourself, right? And, and, and not even the younger version of yourself, just your peers in, in general. And I suppose as we all are stuck at home and everyone, it can be dog eat dog and, you know, just trying to, to figure out a way to be involved in these kinds of groups and to know that there is a community out there that cares about you um, is, is a really powerful thing. So don't let those memberships lapse people. Cause <laughs> exactly. And if you do, you can always sign back up again. Yeah. I mean, I was, I don't know if this is a question, but I kind of wanted to also say that there's also an exciting opportunity right now, you know, as I've recently gone from cable to, you know, digital platform for us to all to have this conversation together about, you know, what is the future of television? I know it's something that we talk about at the Academy and I know it's something we talk about um, at work. And I know it's something that young producers coming out of school talk about, that talent who's creating their own content talks about. And in the same way that reality created so many opportunities for people, that, you know, innovations on how we'll present that content will create new opportunities as well. So, you know, one of the things I'm hoping will come out of even just this conversation is not only people realizing, hey, I want to get involved too, but people realizing I want to reach out to Bob and Jill and Noah and everybody else on the executive committee to tell them what I'm thinking about and, and to talk to them about ideas that are of interest to me. And if thinking about what's the future of television, what's the future of content is something that's important to you, that's huge because reality has innovated the genre of content and we will continue to, you know, and to Noah's point, we're at the forefront of that in the sense that even during COVID, even during the worst of times, we're able to stay in production because we have this documentary tradition you know, it's kind of exciting to think about, well, what's next? What can we do differently and how can we do it together? So Jill, what is the future of television? You're the one who works for Snap. You must <laughs> TBD. Yeah. One on. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What's the meaning of life while you're at it? <laughs> no, but it did more people to talk about that. I'm sorry. What did you say? What's the meaning of life, Jill? I, I talked over you. Oh, no, it's okay. Bob said, what's the meaning of life? And I said, we need a bigger room. We need more people to figure that one out. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, on the one hand, yes, you next generation programming, snap, you know, digital, short form, you know, television in your pocket kind of programming. But then on the flip side, Bob just mentioned there are 11 game shows on ABC right now, right? So that business, which probably wouldn't be defined as next generation television, you know, by, by, uh, you know, by those who are defining it is thriving. It's booming in a way that, you know, Mr. Game Show over here is probably salivating over. Um, and it's really pretty remarkable that there's room for everything, right? It just seems like the pie is just growing so exponentially. Um, sorry, you, Bob, you have a thought? Yeah. One of the things that's a, another thing that's great about the Academy is that, you know, going back quite a ways, uh, there was a thing called the Cable Ace Awards, and that was created to honor excellence in cable programming at a time when the Television Academy only honored excellence in broadcast programming. And the minds in the in the room of the Board of Governors said, hey, wait a minute, it's all television. And so they made sure to open up their rules to uh, to accept cable as uh, equal partners with broadcast. Now that streaming is a major part of of television, uh, 
we have opened up the doors to them and the the you know the the predominance of awards that that are given out every year are to streaming services and that doesn't mean that they're better than than network broadcast services but but it means that we're open to everybody and if if you have a quality programming uh, if you have a quality programming it doesn't matter whether it's on broadcast it's on cable it's on streaming it, it it's all television and that inclusion i think speaks to you know why the academy has been so vibrant and so robust in in its membership and will continue to be yeah. i think that was so well said bob and i think what's so important that i just want to like hit on that again is i think a lot of people may 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 say you know i'm not going to join the academy because that's for tv that's for like abc and all of the you know major networks and to bob's point we celebrate the best content so don't feel like oh your show isn't on a major network or even on a cable channel right now that you aren't part of this community if you are creating reality content we invite you if you are getting credits and working actively you should be in the room you should be in these conversations because what we're really focused on is how do we celebrate the work that all of us are doing so maybe uh, are you guys lobbying to change it the name of it to the content academy <laughs> Too soon, no. Too soon, got it. No, but TV is not a zero-sum game, which I think is amazing, right? The pie is just growing exponentially. There's room for everyone. And yeah, if you're a maker of things, uh, you know, and whether that's broadcast on a big box on your wall or on a, you know, smaller screen in your pocket, you you, you are a part of this, uh, of this, this crazy sort of a buffet that we all eat lunch at every day. And to your point, Noah, you know, we, we do... Uh, get get really into the weeds when it comes to what do we call ourselves as the academy? What do we call ourselves as a peer group? What do we call each of our award titles? Uh, we we really do want to be precise and want to be inclusive, but also want to let our our uh, members and our voters know what we're honoring. And sometimes it's it it gets very difficult because there's so many programs now that are hybrids. And, you know, we, we uh, thanks to, to John Murray um, and, and Phil Siegel, who were governors at the time, um, they were able to break off the, uh, the, what was the reality programming category into two categories, structured reality and unstructured reality. And the debate over what to call those two categories, that went on for months. Uh, what what we you know what do you call a show that has a beginning middle and end and common themes in every episode versus a show that's more of a docu series that just follows people or events or or groups and they came upon I think the 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 best solution to that but but we we really do look very carefully at at you know what labels we put on our programming. Uh, because that that's so important to you know what we're offering to the community. Well, I love it. Words matter. Uh, obviously, a lot of care and thought is put into this, and you know whether you recognize it or not, you know we're all um, you know we're all the uh, worthy recipients of of all this hard work that uh, you know that a lot of really really smart people are putting into it. Um, the two of you obviously being much smarter than me, so you know I should... uh, not really. <laughs> You've got a podcast. I don't have a podcast. I know exactly. No way. Even with words. <laughs> Go on Amazon, Bob. You could have one too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
We definitely uh, don't lack for things to talk about. So, well, this has been a lot of really, really great information. Um, but I think before we before we sort of get to the end here, got to give even more advice. You know, a lot of people that listen to this, of course, come in for the you know the fantastic advice from the you know from the wonderful guests, and specifically advice to your younger self. I mean, I think a lot of the advice you gave sort of would really apply to younger selves. But you know, Jill, let's start with you. What the, would you, the advice you Jill, I would give would be it's so important to be open to trying everything that you're offered in the entertainment space, whether, and, and by that, I mean, you know, when I started, I wanted to write, you know, and so a story editing opportunity came up and I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that, but let me try it, you know? And then Buna Murray, what they tried to do is get you to do a lot of different things. They wanted you to be exposed to casting, you know, that some people would be runners, some people would be editors, some people would be on different tracks. I think getting as much experience as you can, even if it's not specifically what you studied in the school, is really important because you don't exactly know where the industry will take you. You don't know where the opportunities will arise and they will change from year to year. And it may turn out that production management or you know, being you know, the person who was in charge of the logistics is your sweet spot. Or it may turn out that there's tons of jobs in editing and you never knew you loved it because you were so focused on directing. So I would just stay, say to stay open, you know, and meet as many people as you can and say yes as many times as you can to good opportunities. How about you? Advice to young Bob. I'm a lucky man because in addition to my uh, career pursuits, uh, I am able to also teach. And uh, I actually teach college students who go to Syracuse University who uh, participate in a Los Angeles-based program, uh, which currently is... is um, remote, but it'll, it'll come back to, to LA based pretty soon. So I get to give advice and counsel um, every week to my students. And many of them are the leaders of tomorrow. Uh, many of them, I think, are just starting to understand the, the business and, and learning how to break in and take their talents and channel them into ways where they can build a career out of it. And uh, I, I'm very honest with them about um, about what I've experienced and about um, you know what works and what doesn't. And and the answer to so many of their questions is it's going to be different for you than it was for me, and it's going to be different for me than it is for the next person. And you, you've just got to go on that journey, like Jill said. Don't ever say no. Just always do everything. Do everything you can to build your arsenal, to build your, your knowledge base, to share ideas, to, to drink in the vision of the people around you and adapt it to your own strengths so that, that you can become a unique player. Uh, you don't want somebody else's career, you wanna build your own. And just because you start off your career being uh, an editor or a hairstylist or or a, a voiceover performer, that doesn't mean that that's all you're ever going to be able to do. Uh, the, the, this this television world, the, the the whole media and entertainment world has so many different opportunities. And uh, the more you can expose yourself to to people who do other things like you can as a member of the TV Academy, the more you open up your mind to, wait, I can do that too. I'm not just limited to what I'm doing today. I'm not just whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm getting coffee for my boss or I'm, I'm uh, Xeroxing a script uh, or I'm, you know, I'm 
I'm managing difficult talent or whatever my job is today on the set, that doesn't have to be my job tomorrow. And, uh, you know, what, what we've all done and what your, your podcast is all about, Noah, is, is people who've had different, different directions in their career and they've been a producer, they've been an executive, they've been above the line, below the line, on the line, uh, over the line sometimes. Uh, and, and all of that is learning. It's all life experience. And, and if, if, if you don't limit yourself, nobody else is going to limit you. Um, so, you know, younger me, just, just, you know, grab the bull by the horns and just go for it. Don't, don't, don't think about where you think you're headed, just head there and you'll be happy because of that. Great advice from both of you. And I really appreciate it. Uh, we mentioned earlier, again, your Mr. Game Show. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, <laughs> and then you probably answered this before. What is the perfect game show? And I know I'm asking you probably to pick between all your kids. And by by the way, you're you're perfect. It's perfectly okay for you to say it's your own game show. Funny, you should ask. Yeah. Uh, that is perfectly relevant answer. The perfect game show is is the one that pays my mortgage. And uh, right now, it's <laughs> it's funny you should ask. Uh, it is a show I'm very fond of. Uh, it's a daily syndicated uh, comedy. Uh, game show with with big celebrities uh check your local listings for time and channel in your area uh and uh uh it, it's been a wild ride i love it i can't wait to do more of it uh we we had to shut down for covid but we'll be back very soon um historically um I, i'm i'm a big fan of the price is right uh for so many reasons which is it's so much more than just a game show i i i see it as a a reality uh variety show uh it uses real people but every day is a different show uh there's over 70 games that they play and when you tune in you never know what's going to come your way uh i i was a, a the first student intern on the price is right um, it, it goes back 40 years now, um, and they're about to start their 50th year um, on CBS. So a great game show can last forever, um, and that to me is one of the greatest. Uh, I'm also very partial to some other shows I've worked on and some I wish I'd worked on. Um, I love The Pyramid Show. Uh, I love Press Your Luck. Um, I love Jeopardy. Uh, I, I was in Weird Al Yankovic's parody video on Jeopardy called I Lost on Jeopardy. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a wonderful ride for me and, and uh, it's far from over. But I do look back and, and have, have great memories of all the different shows and, and professionals that, that I've been able to interact with. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the one of the best has been Byron Allen, who I first met when I was a cue card guy on Real People uh, in, in the late seventies. And that's where I first met him. And, and, uh, and, you know, we struck up a friendship that, that has remained over all these years. And, and four years ago, he said, Hey, I want to be, uh, I want to be a, a game show mogul and, uh, I need the right team to do it. And he called me and, uh, I was so fortunate to get that call. And, uh, uh, you know, I love Byron and everything he stands for. Um, so, uh, it, there's another message to younger me is build those relationships, cherish those relationships, never let them go. Cause you never know 
40 years later, who's going to call you and say, hey, be a part of my team? I love that. I love that. And Jill, Jill, you touched on the same thing with, uh, you know, your early mentor as well. So pick those bosses wisely, you know, head in the right direction, head in any direction and and hopefully it'll become the right direction. And and Jill, I won't put you on the spot to name your favorite game show. Not too, I actually, I actually, I almost wanted to jump in, but you know, Bob's story was so moving. I couldn't at the time, but uh, my mother found tickets to the Price is Right that I had hidden underneath my bed in third grade. So I love that you just <laughs> framed it as a reality variety game show because I knew there must be a reason I was always obsessed with that show. So good. Well, come on down. Love you both. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, this is really great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Thanks for thank having you, us. Thank you, Noah. On. It was wonderful. Thank you. So there you have it. The full story of the TV Academy Reality Peer Group. Thanks to Greg Mercer for creating our show art and to Chris Carmichael for composing our music and for all things technical. You can find their respective work at gregorymercer.com and christophercarmichael.com. Thank you as well to our guests, Jill Dickerson and Bob Bowden to my wonderful family for all their love and support, and to you, the listeners. Please come back again next time. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Choose kind.